Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Hey, it's good to see you all. Have a seat. Take off your masks. Uh, I'll grab that, yeah. And uh, if you're, again, if you're here for the first time, maybe you're visiting, maybe you haven't been back for a while, hey, we're, we're just happy that you're here. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And, and you came on like uh, one of the, the hottest days of the year, right? This is amazing. Uh, Deborah mentioned earlier that if you're really, really hot, just think that in a few weeks it's going to be minus like 20 and you'll be shoveling. And so I don't, I don't know if that helps you, but yeah. But we're, we're almost there. Uh, we're really, really grateful to, to continue to learn together. And, and if you're kind of watching online or you know someone that's not ready to go to church, you just know somebody that's like, I'm not getting up early to one, to go to church. And two, it's a church that's going to be, it's going to be hot. I'm not going there. That's crazy. If you know that, you know, our social media and our team back there and YouTube, all of those things are there to help you connect, but also to maybe share with somebody who's just not ready. They're just not ready to take that next step to learn about God or process questions about God. And sometimes watching something on a, on a screen or uh, listening to something on a podcast can be maybe the first step that helps people kind of think about maybe their life in a new way, maybe their place in the world in a new way, maybe the fact that God is trying to speak to them and they can't hear that clearly. And so our prayer is that as we learn together, you would hear God speak to you. This morning, we're continuing a series that we, we've been in for the whole summer, and I want to begin by asking you to think about the time that you watched a movie that you thought was going to be garbage, but it turned out to be really good. Ever happened to you? You watch a movie, somebody tricks you to watch a movie, your husband or your wife. You're like, it's going to be amazing. You're like, no, it's going to be garbage. Like my wife does that to me sometimes. Oh, you got to watch this with me. I'm like, no, hon, I don't love you that much. And so, you know, you watch it and then they ask you like, what did you think? And you know, it was better than, but you don't tell them the truth. You're like, it was horrible. Can't believe I did this for you. But inside you realize like, It actually was, it was a bit better, right? I want to tell you about a movie that I watched a while back with my kids that was better than I thought it would be. And I'll help you understand about the topic we're talking about this morning. You can go to the slide. Any of you ever see this movie, How to Train a Dragon? Anyone? Some of you are like, no. I know you're adults. You're like, this is a baby movie. Shut your mouth. No, it's not. That's what I thought. But as I watch this movie with my kids, if you've never seen it, it's a movie that deals with something I want to talk about this morning that impacts all of us. It's a movie about power. Everyone say power. All of us at some point this week have heard about the idea of power. Who gets to have power? And what does it mean that some people have power and they use that power to privilege themselves? We heard a little bit about that. And, and whenever you're dealing with power, you're also dealing with how you define success and winning and being victorious. These are the values of our world. And in this movie, in a fascinating way, there's this debate about power. Actually, you see there's a teenage boy there. His name is, anybody know the name of the boy? Anybody? What is wrong? What's up with this church? His name is Hiccup. Ask you, his name is Hiccup. Okay? And he's having a conflict with his father 
about power. His father is a Viking, and Vikings know something about power. And to be a real Viking with power, especially when you're a young boy, was to demonstrate that you knew how to succeed. And to succeed, you slayed a dragon. This young teenage boy, the whole movie, is wrestling with, how do I become a dragon slayer? How do I do that? Because I want to prove to my dad and to my friends and to the community that I'm someone who has power. And not only do I have power, I'm, I'm a success. The way my family has defined success. And then the movie kind of twists on one like point in the whole movie when you realize that Hiccup interacts with a dragon. And the dragons are not as dangerous as he thought. And he realizes that maybe we have the wrong definition of power. And now he's stuck because he needs to tell his father that maybe instead of killing a dragon, we're the kind of people that have the ability to train a dragon and to use that power rather than to be afraid of it and in a way to redefine the whole understanding of power. You see, it's not a kid's movie, right? All of you are going to go watch it now. You're like, I got to go watch this movie. It's for the kids, but it's deep. It's deep. This morning, I want to talk to you about this issue of power and that we've been in a series where we've been looking at what the Bible calls the most powerful force in the world, and that's the Holy Spirit's power. I grew up in a world where I wrestled with what it meant to be powerful. Not only that, what it meant to be seen as a success. And throughout my life, I think I've had moments where when I failed, or when I felt that I was failing or was missing out, it was because I was dealing with this expectation of success or power that somebody had given to me. Someone has given you a standard of what it means to be successful. You might not know who that is, but think about it right now. Think about who taught you what it means to be powerful. Think about someone you want to be like. It's usually a person that exudes power. And you're like, I want to be like them. I grew up in a world that was very, very clear about power and success to the point that I never thought about it like this until I started reading the Bible. And I realized that the Bible is always trying to correct the way our world defines power and success. And I had no idea how to do that. I was like stuck in this world of what my family said was powerful, what my family defined as successful. Just think about if someone that you know, a young child, a nephew, a grandson, a granddaughter asks you, hey, grandma, hey, grandpa, hey, uncle, whatever, what does it mean to be successful? What would you say to them? I know what I would have said to them. To have a lot of money. That's what I would have said. How many of you would say I probably would have said that too? None of you, right? All of you are like, no, 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 sure. Well, just think about what you would say to them. I struggled with the idea of what it meant to live in a world that gave me one view of power, and then to start reading the Bible and realize, wow, like I have to rethink all of this. And, and then what ended up happening in my life is that I decided I wanted nothing to do with church because I went to a church that talked about power in a very distinct way. I went to a church when I was really, really young and trying to learn about God where power had to do with the power of the Holy Spirit to be victorious. Anyone ever hear that before? To be victorious? Yeah, it's, it's a biblical concept, right? Or the power of the Holy Spirit to be a conqueror. Anyone? The power of the Holy Spirit to, to live a life full of fire. Any fire people here? The Holy All these words, right? They were all these words that were all biblical words, but they left out a whole other part of the Bible on how to define or understand what that power meant. So I decided, like, I wanted nothing to do with this. It made no sense to me how this all fit together. And then it really, really hit me. I read a passage in the scriptures that we've been reading together for this whole summer. 
And I'm going to read it for you, and you tell me when you see the word power in this verse, okay? Whenever you see the word power, you can stand up. Here it is. But the Holy Spirit, power, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you are upset? I'm so upset. Why is there not power here? Why is there not bravery? Why is there not courage? Why is not the word here destiny? You're dead. Don't you love that? That's a good word. All of these ideas that are biblical, and as I started to read the Bible and learn about the power of the Holy Spirit, I realized that the Bible finds power through this kind of life, through this kind of fruit, through this way of living, and that the Holy Spirit, which is God's image for us of power, produces this kind of life in us. And I was like, how did I miss that? How did I miss growing up and understanding that? Well, I'll tell you just a confession how I missed it. It's because I equated some of these words with being weak. And today, we're going to talk about gentleness. Whenever I think of gentleness and I think of like, you know, following Jesus and like, you know, wanting to be a Christian, I always think like religion is, it's like for weak people. It's for people who like, you know, need to pretend that there's a God in the sky that they believe in. And over time, like I started to believe that. I know maybe you know people that believe that. They're like, I don't, I don't understand how this works. And then I realized that most of the people who are following Jesus are men who are not like weak kind of men. Like, I mean, these are fishermen. These are people who are like stuck in storms in, at sea. These are men that are, they're, they're like F-150 men. Anyway, you ever see those commercials? Like get a truck, you see, like, I need a truck. Huh? Yes. A motorcycle, that I've had. But anyway, it's, ju- it's just the idea that that's what it looks like to be strong. And I'm thinking, how did Jesus teach these men, these people who are going to follow him, and women, by the way, to see power through this kind of life? How did he do that? How did he help them to understand that? Because they, like us, lived in a world that defined power and success for them a certain way. They knew what it was like to be someone that people respected, that was strong, that nobody messed with. You mess with our family, you're going to pay. They knew what this was like. They lived in a world that knew how to deal with people when it had to do with power. Christianity began in a world that when people messed with power, they died. They disappeared. And the Romans were so good at this that they modeled a kind of power that nobody messed with. If you mess with us, we flaunt our, our power by crucifying people. That's power. And in that world, Jesus comes and says, I'm going to teach you to rethink your whole understanding of power and success in a way that you have not seen in this world yet. And it'll be to be people who embrace to become these kinds of people. You know, if you have your Bible and you've read your Bible, you've been following with us in the series, and you look up this passage in the King James Version of the Bible. Okay, it's like an older translation of the Bible. Some people like that translation. It's a bit more British. It's a bit more that, you know, has like kind of a a more English feel to it. The word gentleness is translated for the word meekness. Everyone say meekness. Meekness. It's a word you're never going to use again. It's kind of like, what does that even mean? And it made things worse in my life because then I thought, exactly. Meekness sounds like weakness. That's exactly why I want nothing to do with this. 
I don't have to tell you that the studies are clear. That if you, you pick any church in the world and you want to see who's attending church, it's more women than men. Because men are like, what? Who goes to church? It's so ridiculous. It's for weak people. I don't want anything to do with that. Now, I didn't make up that stat. It's just the reality that it takes us a long time to have somebody like Jesus, through learning, redefine our understanding of success and power by this kind of life. What does it mean to be people who are powerful in gentleness? What does it mean to be those who don't see gentleness and meekness as being weak, but as being something much deeper than that? I want to tell you something that all of the earliest followers of Jesus will have to do, and that every single one of us in this room, watching online, I don't care when you watch this, will have to sort out. We all have to move from an immature view of this power to a spiritually mature understanding of how the Bible defines success and power. If that doesn't happen in our lives, I promise you this will happen next. You will stop reading your Bible. You cannot go along without having Jesus transform how you think about this and read the Bible and understand, well, wait a second. The Bible points to God as a lion, which we all love, and a lamb, which we're all not sure about. Nobody's getting a tattoo of Jesus the lamb. Lion? Food. Lots of those. Right? We don't know how to hold together what the Bible does so beautifully. It holds together power, gentleness, meekness. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, and I want to just give you just a very simple understanding of how I think the earliest followers of Jesus will kind of make this transition so that, the way, so that we can make it as well. And then you'll see this on the graph. It's pretty, pretty simple. Just go to the slide. Just next slide. It's this idea. It's the movement from being aware of the Spirit to being filled with the Spirit. It's very, very simple. That we live in a world where many, many people are aware of spiritual things. They're aware of what it means that they might believe in something spiritual. And the Bible actually comes to us in a world where people are into all kinds of spiritual things, all kinds of spiritual ideas. I mean, there's one religion in the ancient world, if you really wanted to be powerful, they would take a bull, okay, and they would have the bull walk in a circle. And as this bull walked in a circle, people would be standing on a platform underneath the bull, okay? And imagine as the bull is walking around in the circle and all the people are looking up, seeing a bull, praying that the bull doesn't have to, you know, do number two, okay, just walking. The bull, some of you, okay, you got that. Uh, the, the bull is walking. They would cut the bull, and the bull would start to bleed. And the blood would fall on the people underneath. And they would see this as a sign of power. The power of a bull now is with us. Think about it. That this is the world that Christianity begins in. And Jesus says, I have a different way. I have a different way for you. That is a kind of power and a definition of success you've never understood in this way. And it happens by not only being aware of spiritual things, not only even being interested in spirituality, but getting to the place where you're ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're taking notes, you're watching online, let's make this really, really simple. It's from being not ready to be a Christian to being a Christian. It's from deciding like you want to live life your own way, and then you do a 180 and you decide, wait a second, I can't keep living this way. Jesus has made it clear that he is the only one that I should serve and love and commit myself to. And this, this kind of idea, is every, this concept, is something that the earliest followers of Jesus have to understand. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? If you are, you desire for the fruit of the Spirit to be produced in you. If you don't, then I'm going to encourage you to consider what it would take for you to move from being aware of spiritual things 
to surrender your life so that you are filled with the Spirit. The Bible has this beautiful way that it explains this change, okay, this idea. And we actually practice it here at the 180 when people get baptized. There's people saying, I don't just want to be a spiritual person. I just don't want to be mingling in all kinds of spiritual things. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is one of the writers in the New Testament that explains what happens when we take this step. This is what he says. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, you made that transition, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. I'd be offended. Anybody offended? You're like, why isn't it just enough to be spiritual? Why do I have to let the Holy Spirit fill me? Jesus said, because it's the only way that you're going to understand that I'm calling you to a different life. It's the only way that you're going to understand what it means to live as those who redefine power, success, victory, all of the things in this world that promises, promises all of us, our kids, our grandchildren. This is what it means to be successful. This is what it looks like. We're called to say, no, no, no. Jesus has changed that in us. Jesus has changed how we understand what it means to be people who are strong, to be people who are victorious, to be people who have God on our side. We sing about it, right? And we even use language of being in a battle. I grew up in a church that even added warrior to the word prayer. Maybe you heard of this. It's not even in the Bible, but you know, you can't just pray. You got a prayer warrior. We're just trying to show like we're powerful. And then you read the fruit of the Spirit and you're like, how does gentleness work in all of this? One day Jesus is preaching one of these, his famous sermons. It's one of the most famous sermons in the Bible. And I could just think of Jesus saying this and all, all the men who are listening to him, they're like, get out of here. This is what Jesus says. Just think about if you would get up and walk away when you hear Jesus say this. Blessed are the meek, I would hear, weak, in my head, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus is saying all this stuff, and people are like, what? What is this guy talking about, this crazy Jesus guy? When does he make food? When does he show us how to walk on water? When does he do that part? How long do we have to hear him preach? It's getting hot. It's too hot. It would have been really hot. Everybody who's listening to Jesus knows how you inherit the earth. You know how you inherit the earth? You conquer it. Conquest gets you the earth. What is this guy talking about? This is ridiculous. You're telling us, I have a question, Mr. Jesus. Okay, I have a question. You're telling us that there's a kind of meekness and gentleness that leads to people inheriting the earth? I love it when people get it. That's exactly what I'm saying. I promise. It took me so long, just confession, to understand that meekness did not mean weakness. That the word meekness and the word gentleness come from a Greek idea for what it means to train a horse. The idea comes from what it means to take an animal that is so powerful that can break and run and to begin to train it so it uses its power to actually run a race contained. Because without that training, you have all of this power that kind of just can go anywhere. A horse just runs everywhere. And the idea is that, that the Greek people actually used this word all the time, was what it meant for something that was full of power to, in a sense, be contained and be able to use that power with purpose. Jesus is saying there's a kind of meekness that you will need to be those who can be trusted with the things of this earth. 
Now, I want to tell you this example that kind of changed my life when I think about gentleness and meekness, okay? Had to do when I was doing my PhD. Some of you know this. I took some time, went to school, uh, real school, uh, did a PhD. Uh, and, uh, and, and so as I was studying one time, I had to look at this book that was an ancient, ancient book. And I went to this library. It was in Toronto. I went in the basement of this library, and I, I asked the lady, I need to see this book for my research. She said, okay. She said, you should put these on. She gave me white gloves. And I was like, what is going on right now? This is really weird. She's like, you got to put these gloves on, and we're going to take you in a room where the temperature of the room is always at the same temperature because the book that's in that room cannot have the temperature change or the pages will start to get ruined and the writing will disappear. I put on these white gloves, Michael Jackson style. Okay, so I, I kind of go in the room and I start looking at this. And, and before I touch the book to look at it, she says to me, be gentle. I was like, oh. And I realized for the first time kind of it hit me, this idea of gentleness, the way the Bible talks about. That gentleness is actually not only what it means to be careful when something is weak, but to be careful when something is precious. To pay attention that the gentleness that God calls us to is to help us see the world as things around us being more precious than we had first understood. And I'm looking at this book and I'm thinking, turning the pages really, really slowly, trying to find this one verse that I'm looking for for my PhD, I'm wearing gloves, and I'm like, wow. I understood for the first time something that we all have to understand. That when the Bible talks about gentleness and meekness, it's always connecting it to the idea that you are precious and the world around you is very, very precious. Meaning that it's frail and that it can break. So you need to be people who understand that you have my power, but you should be gentle with it. That you should have the kind of awareness that everything around you is precious. And when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, it's those who can be trusted with something that belongs to God. That we are the ones that God says, when the Holy Spirit's power teaches you to be gentle, then you are one who understands what it means to be entrusted with the precious things of this world. You know this when you think about kids. I know people who use this when they think about their car. You ever meet somebody, they have a nice car, and you're like, oh, can I drive your car? And if they really, like, idolize their car, they'll say, oh, okay, be, be careful, huh? be gentle, be gentle. The car is like a robot. They don't mean be careful because the car is going to break. They mean be careful because the car is so precious to me. If you're married to somebody who has idolatry of cars, we can't help with that. We can't help you at all. No, I'm just kidding. We can't help. But it's this idea that we know what it's like to say be gentle because something I have is just so, so precious. The Bible, Jesus says, I need you to understand gentleness because the earth belongs to God. And if you want to be someone who can be trusted with the things of God, the blessing that comes to be trusted with the things of God, you need a new definition of power. You have to let the Holy Spirit produce gentleness in you. Someone who surrenders to the Spirit training us the way a trainer might train a horse, a little baby horse that's powerful, going to run a race, can pull a wagon. Whoa, 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 you can't just unleash this power. It needs to be held together to learn gentleness, to learn when to respond in a way that doesn't break something that is extremely precious. I think a lot of the people who are listening to Jesus think, that's so beautiful. I love that. Jesus, you should keep doing this. But we're not doing this. Do you know what it's going to be like when I go see my friends fishing in the boat and I tell them that today I learned about gentleness? 
you know what it's going to be like? Think about somebody that you know that thinks that Christianity is for weak people and think about calling them today after church and tell them that you learned about gentleness. How many of you say they laugh at you? How many of you are like, get out of it, this is ridiculous. I can't believe you still go to church. It's so dumb. All the things you would hear, people in the Bible would have heard. But Jesus has taught his disciples they are not just into spiritual things. They're being filled by the Holy Spirit to have a new definition of power and success that requires gentleness. I promise you it would have taken them years to learn this. So much so that we know that as Jesus is teaching, he's about to get to the end of his ministry. This is like the end of the class. If you've ever taught anybody anything, maybe you're in business, you're a leader, you're training somebody on staff, and you're like, this is the week that they have to get it, and you, okay, now you're going to do this by yourself, okay? Do what I just showed you, and it just falls apart, and you're like, how did we hire you? You don't say that, but you think it, right? This is, Jesus has a lot of these moments in the Bible, where he's like, it's three years we're together. This is the moment you get it. This is the moment you understand that the way you've defined power in the past doesn't work anymore if you're going to follow me. And out of the blue, two of the disciples of Jesus send their mother to talk to Jesus. You know how bad it has to be to send your mother to talk to Jesus? That's so bad. I can't ever imagine sending my mom to talk to Jesus. If I said to my mother, go talk to Jesus, she would say, you go talk to him yourself. That's what happened. Not in this story. We're told that at one point, these guys, I don't know how they convinced their mom, or maybe their mom was one of those, I don't know, crazy controlling moms. Not that there's any here, but maybe she was like that. This is what it says. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. Like, what could she possibly ask? What is it to you? Well, what is, what is do you want? He asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine, think of John and James, it's going to be great two sons of mine, may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. This is a mother who's asking Jesus, can you promise me that my kids, these boys here, they've sacrificed a lot for you, Jesus. They've been doing this for a long time now, okay? That when you're like in power, they too also will have the power that you have. Can you imagine? We're almost at the end of this. Jesus is teaching them, blessed are the meek, blessed are the kind, blessed are the producing, like a new way of understanding. And they're with their mother, and they're like, okay, Jesus, it's going to be great. We know what to do. We, we know how to handle this. We'll be your executives. We'll be like, right hand, left hand. When there's a problem, you can send us. We'll show people how it's done. They don't understand that the kingdom and the power that Jesus has been teaching them about is not like the kingdom and the power of this world. Jesus has been trying to teach them that he's redefining all of these ideas for them. This is what Jesus says to them next. You don't know what you are asking. The mother would be so ticked off. I know a lot of mothers that be ticked off. What? I know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can. They answered, Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant. Some translations say angry with the two brothers. Jesus has a real conflict on his hands. Jesus has, one, a mother and two brothers conspiring to want to be in charge of everything. And just when you thought it got worse, the other ten overheard this conversation. Can you imagine lunch? Picnic time with these guys? 
hey, anybody want to play? No, nope. we want to kill them. The Bible says that they're angry. And Jesus will go on to say, do you understand that the cup you must drink to be trusted with my power is the cup of being ready to die for me? The cup of what it means that the person on my right and the person on my left in a few days are going to be two people who are crucified on the cross. Are you ready for that? Because if you're not ready for that, you can never be trusted with my power. You can never be trusted with my things if you're not someone who's understood gentleness as the way to God's power, as the way to success. You cannot. Are you someone that God can trust with his power? Are you someone who's committed to letting the Holy Spirit fill you with gentleness? A gentleness and a kind of awareness that the things that God has given to us are very precious to him. And when we're not careful, we use power, we use influence, we use the things that we want to get our way, and Jesus is like, wait a second, this is not why you have power. This is not why I've given you the blessing of inheriting the earth. The followers of Jesus struggle with something that we struggle. They heard Jesus preach. They liked seeing Jesus being meek and kind and gentle. They liked that, but they didn't really want to be that themselves. Maybe you're still at that place in your life. You love the ideas. You're like, yeah, Jesus, he was such a great teacher, but I don't want to have to be this kind of person. I prefer the way our world defines power. And, and all of us, whether we like it or not, are going to be thrown into a world that's always trying to redefine power and success. And I think of being a parent and a grandparent and a leader, what it means to be a church that says we define power and success differently here. It's by being those who let the fruit of the Spirit be produced in us so that we're gentle. We know how to be gentle. We know how to remember that people are precious to God. In the New Testament, this comes up in a whole other way. If you don't understand gentleness in this way, the Bible talks about gentleness when it has to do with you talking to somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. Into the New Testament, we're told that gentleness, to be gentle, is one of the great qualities of what it means to have a conversation with somebody who does not believe in Jesus yet. Think of somebody that you know who does not believe in anything that you believe about Jesus, about God, about the Bible. They're like, whatever, whatever. That the Bible tells us, if you've let God produce gentleness in you, this will help you when you're having a conversation. This is what Paul tells Christians in the, in the New Testament. He says this. Do not have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Not that we ever do that. But because you know they produce quarrels. Gently, gently, instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. How beautiful is this? That gentleness is not only a gift for us to be able to be trusted with the precious things that God has given us, but it's a gift that helps us to interact with people who still don't believe, who still are not ready to understand or to make sense of the things that we believe about Jesus that are true. This week, as I was praying and as preparing, you know, oftentimes when I'm preparing a sermon and I'm praying, I, I'm, I'm really, maybe I've said this before, but I'm asking God, like, help me to understand what this would look like in real life, how this gets applied. And no word of a lie, I'm reading this, I'm studying, I'm thinking about, what does it mean that can I be gentle with somebody who tells me they don't believe in God? Who tells me, like, being a pastor, that's dumb. I can't believe you're a pastor. Be like, 
I'm a bit offended, but I'm going to be gentle, right? Whatever. We're like, you're a priest? Who does that anymore? That's so weird. Why aren't you a plumber? Whatever. People say a lot of things to me. Okay? So, so I'm, I'm with a friend. We're at this coffee shop. We're having breakfast. And the person who works there knows, knows that I, you know, I'm a leader in a church. And I walk in. I haven't been there for a long time because of COVID. I walk in, and she says to me, oh, I'm so happy you're here. I feel the positive energy all around. So I'm like, okay. It's going to be good. So... Uh, <laughs> And I'm thinking about this verse in my head. I'm thinking about, okay, this is so, I sit down, a friend shows up, I tell them, hey, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's a nice place for breakfast, connecting, and this, this server comes to see us, and it's really, really sweet, and she's like, you know what, I don't want to tell you, but there's a spiritual energy around this table, it's he- healing, I feel like a healing, and I'm trying to think, like, how can I be gentle? Now, I want to tell you, when there was a time in my life where I, there was no gentle at all. Okay, the no gentle part of me would have said a lot of things. Would have said, you know what? Let me pull out my Bible. Pull out the big key. <laughs> and just say, what you believe is wrong, you're going to burn. I would go through all these things. But in my head, I'm like, okay, wait a second. The Holy Spirit sees this person as precious. And that same Holy Spirit wants to produce gentleness in me. So what can I say or do or how can I act to say, hey, it sounds like you're really interested in all of these kinds of ideas and beliefs and crystals and whatever. It's kind of cool. We should talk more about this sometime. Yeah, yeah, man, time. And create a kind of the relationship of learning and listening, looking for a chance to say, God, you have to be at work here because this is kind of very different. All of us are about to enter a world, if you're not already aware of this, where people who, have, who want nothing to do with church, who've been hurt by the way the church uses power and success, will need to see people who act gentle, who listen. That's what it says. Be gentle as you talk, as you maybe share a different perspective, as you invite somebody to a church that you attend and they laugh at you, as you kind of say, hey, idea. This is this week. A study came out this week. You can go to the slide. This is what it said. The next generation... Study finds that Gen Z, these are young, young kids, doubled, doubles down on spirituality combined with tarot card reading, new age, there's crystals, and traditional faith. This is just the beginning of a movement of people who are interested in all kinds of beliefs. And Christians are given the gift of the Holy Spirit to be gentle, to listen, to grow. You know what, what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the early church in the Bible. It's exactly what it would have been like in the Bible when Jesus is teaching his followers how to rethink power, victory, winning, telling people that they're wrong, being in a battle. He's saying all those things can be true. There's language in the Bible that says that is true. We are more than conquerors because of the Holy Spirit's power in us. But we are also gentle. We're gentle. And we practice that. And we model that. Maybe for you this morning, that's a new idea. And in your mind, you're still thinking like gentleness still is like, sounds like too weak to me. We need to be firm. I understand. I've been there. But maybe we can let the Holy Spirit teach us this together. Maybe the Holy Spirit has already started to teach you this. Maybe one of the things that we have to learn is that there's many people who might give Jesus a chance, but they're wounded and broken and need to know that there's people who are going to be precious and careful. They're going to be gentle because they've been hurt They think of like religious people and they think about faith as a way of using power to 
take advantage of others? I don't have to tell you this. You know many people like this. I'm going to have you stand, and I'm going to read a passage that Jesus shares with his disciples about being gentle. And I'm going to close with this. He says this. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. You know, to tell you the truth, I don't think I ever saw gentle there before like I did this week. Like I see come to me, I see like tired, I see that. But when Jesus says, I am gentle, he's trying to remind us that he knows what it's like to deal with people who are wounded. He knows what it's like to be with those who've been hurt and who are not sure who they can trust. He knows what it's like to see you and me and the people that we love as precious and worth carefully dealing with their stories, with their failures, with their regrets, with their sins, where they feel like if people only knew, they would shame me and judge me. Jesus says, I, I am gentle. I'm aware of how others have hurt you, and I'm aware of how you have hurt yourself. I'm aware. And I will be gentle. Almost like a doctor who sees a body and a person who has a broken leg or a broken arm, and the person's like, don't even breathe on me. And the doctor's like, I know, I'll be gentle. I know exactly how to fix this. Jesus says to us that if you are those who have tasted of my gentle ways, if you are those who have experienced what it's like that I have healed you in the most painful, wounded times of your life, would you remember that there are those out there that need to see you practice gentleness with them? Be filled with the Spirit. May we let the Holy Spirit produce a deep kind of gentleness in us so that we can be trusted with the things of God. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for the ways that you continue to remind us that following you is meant to transform our lives. Following you is meant to help us be people who live in this world, but, but we live by different values. Today we ask you to help us to be careful when we fall in love with the way the world defines power. Protect us for the times we are envious of the way our world defines success. Protect us, Jesus, from the times we fail to be those who let you make us people who are gentle, who understand that there's a strength in recognizing that the things of this world, the things that are yours, are precious, and that we too are precious, and that you have a way with us that helps us to remind other people that you love them as well. We thank you again for the things you're doing in our church, and we thank you as we think about heading into this next season, as the fall quickly approaches, we pray that you would keep us sensitive to people that we talk to who are just into spiritual things, 
They're aware of spirituality, but they're not ready to be filled with your spirit. Teach us to enter those conversations with gentleness and to know that you have a way that you've used with us that draws others to who you are, to your love. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.